continue this series about the power of our words, today I want to talk about gossip. And gossip is something, although it's always been a problem, you know, for the history of the world, I do think that it's become easier to fall into that trap and into this really sin of gossiping. Because of our age of technology and information and the communication that is available to us now. Because to gossip, you no longer have to go into some corner and whisper, you know, talk under your breath to other people in order to spread gossip. Now you can just send a text to someone or email them or you could even post it to an online forum or anonymously on some kind of social media site. There's all these different avenues that are available to us to be able to have private communication with one or two people, no matter where we are, and easily exclude anyone else from the conversation that we don't want to be a part of it. And I think because of that, we've seen gossiping become a greater problem than I think it's been beforehand. I mean, think of the image of the stay-at-home mom on the telephone all day long talking to her friends about what the latest gossip is. It's happened because of those technological advances. It's become more prominent because it's easier to do. You don't have to seclude somebody in a public area and kind of pull them away from the crowd in order to spread the gossip. You can do it wherever you are at all times of the day, super easily. But we need to understand the kind of damage that gossiping can do. And there's a great illustration for it found in scripture that I want to read today. It's in Proverbs chapter 26, and it begins at verse 20. It says that without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome person for kindling strife. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. I love this comparison here between gossip and throwing wood on a fire, right? Because we all understand that in order for a fire to burn out, you have to stop feeding the fire. There needs to be no more fuel, right? No more substance for that fire to consume. And once it's not able to consume any substance, it burns out. But as long as you continue to feed the fire, it's going to keep going. And that's very much the way that gossiping works when there's a quarrel or a feud between people, right? There's some kind of disagreement and hatred even sometimes, that the more that the more that quarrel is talked about, the longer that feud is going to continue. You're giving food to the feud. And that's what gossip does. It keeps that feud, that quarrel, going on and on and on because you're sharing it with people everywhere you go and you're just continuing to fuel that fire. And so we see that as long as the gossip continues, that it's going to prevent healing and forgiveness from taking place in that situation. Because we're going to be keep bringing the same things up over and over and over again and never let our anger die out. 
right? We won't let it go. We won't forgive the person. Instead, we'll tell everybody we can find about what they've done, especially what they've done for us. Because oftentimes, that's what we're gossiping about. We're either gossiping about a person we don't like or about some way that we've been wronged. And usually there's a lot of overlap there because we're talking about the person we don't like doing something that was wrong for to us that hurt us, right? So a lot of the time it's coming from this place of hurt and anger and resentment. And so we tell everybody that we know. We tell as many people as we can to try to get them over to our side to support us because we are hurt and we want to be comforted by other people. So as long as we keep telling other people how we've been hurt, then we'll keep being supported and the people we don't like will be seen more and more as the enemy. Therefore, allowing this quarrel to continue and to grow in scale as we get people over to our side and against that other person. And that can be a nice place to be sometimes, at least in our own mind and in our own thinking, because the more that we can show everybody how we've been hurt, the more comfort we'll receive from other people. But what we sometimes don't realize is that as we're reopening that wound again and again and again, all we're really doing is hurting ourselves because we're not allowing that wound to heal, right? It's the same principle as picking a scab, right? The scab takes place after you've been wounded and the body is trying to heal itself. And what you need to do is just leave it alone and let your body heal up the wound and close that wound. But when you continue to pick at that scab, you're keeping that wound open. And that's what happens every time we bring up to other people how someone has hurt us. We're saying that we don't want that wound to heal. We don't want it to close up. We want it to stay open so that everyone can see it. And just like with any kind of open wound, when you're keeping that wound open, you're just allowing it to become infected and to become a much bigger issue. But we get to this place where we want it to become a bigger issue because we want everybody to support us and to comfort us and we want them to attack that other person who hurt us viciously. We don't want them to have any friends. We want to turn everybody against them in the most brutal way possible. And so we're going to try to keep that wound open, but the wound is on us. It's in our past. It's in our history. It's on our heart. And as we leave that open and we allow those infections to come in and distort our heart, distort our perspective, and we don't allow it to close, we don't allow it to heal, we don't allow there to be forgiveness and peace, then we are allowing events that happened in our past to continue to wound us today and to become a greater and greater wound upon our very heart and life. And in doing so, that fire will never burn out. It will continue to burn and it will be burning us. It doesn't just burn the other person, it burns us. And so we need to take the way that we have been wounded 
and we need to give it to God. Right? If there is repentance on the side of the person who hurt us, then we need to have forgiveness just as Christ forgives us when we repent. And even if there isn't repentance, we still need to give that event, that situation over to God because justice belongs to him and not to us. And so when we then give that thing to God and we allow God to close that wound and bring us that healing, then we are able to move past that event. But the only way that wound is going to stop burning is if we stop feeding it and we let God close it and heal us and bring us past that hurt. And it doesn't mean that you have to forget about it. It doesn't mean that it was okay. Right? If the wound is serious enough, it will leave a scar. But a scar is a wound that has been closed. Don't leave it as a scab and don't keep picking at the scab to reopen the wound. Let it close so that it won't hurt anymore. The scab will still hurt. The scar does not doesn't mean you have to pretend that it never happened, and you probably won't be able to forget about it, but it's not going to hurt anymore. You aren't going to be living with the pain from it anymore, because it's been closed. There's been healing, and you've moved past it. And that doesn't happen through our own effort. That happens by giving it over to God and letting God bring us past what has hurt us. Otherwise, it does become infected, and it becomes a much bigger problem than it's been before. Because over the course of time, it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And we see that same thing happening about the things that we would gossip about. Where the event sometimes has happened so long ago that our perspective has become so distorted about it that we no longer fully remember everything that happened. We don't remember all the details correctly because we've only been holding on to the parts that hurt us the most. And the interesting thing with gossip is that it really acts that way from the very start. Because when we retell the story of what happened, we're really only sharing the juiciest parts, aren't we? And that's why I like how this proverb says that the words of a gossip are like choice morsels, right? It's that juiciest part of the meat, right? It's, it's the best part, and that's the part that we tell people, right? Whatever is the worst of the worst that that person did in that situation, that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to share. And we oftentimes leave out all of the other details because that's the only part that really matters, but just like how with meat, not every part is the choice morsel, right? Not every part of the cow is the best part of the cow. It's the same way with events that happen. Not every part of the story is going to be that juicy part. And oftentimes when we're only telling that juicy part, we're leaving out all of the other important context to help people gain an accurate perspective of what happened during that event. Because again, we're only going to share those juicy parts, right? We're only going to share 
what puts the other person that we don't like in the worst possible light, and we're not going to share anything that we may have said or done that was questionable. We'll leave those details out. See, gossip doesn't provide the full context. It just provides those juiciest parts. It just provides what makes us look the best and what makes other people look the worst. And that provides a skewed perspective into the event. And when you really boil it down, the act of talking about events in that way shows you to be a dishonest person because you aren't including the full context. You're skewing the light of the events and your perspective of it and trying to shape other people's perspectives on it by only sharing the parts that back you up and make you look good and other people look bad. It doesn't paint for people a clear representation of what has happened because oftentimes we don't really want them to know the full story we just want them to support us. So we don't share the full context, we just give them the headline. And boy, how many of us have come across a headline that was misleading? Sometimes there's a headline, and when you read down through the rest of the article, there are things in the article that refute what was being said in the headline. But the people who write that article twist what is being said in order to fit the narrative that they're trying to convey. Think about the way that people still talk about the wage gap. That, oh, there's this disparity between the amount of money that men make and the amount of money that women make. And, oh, women only make, you know, 77 cents per every dollar that men make. And, you know, they'll change that number over the years. But they neglect to inform you of how they reach that number. And how they just take the total earnings and total income of all women and all men. And people have pointed out how this doesn't take into consideration how many hours people are working. Or what kinds of jobs they are working. Or what position they're in in the company. Right? They leave out all of these other details where when you factor all of those details in and you look at a man and a woman who are working the same job and have been there for the same amount of time and they're working the same number of hours, right? The more consistent you make that comparison, how that wage gap then completely disappears. But people will ignore all of that, right? And put that to the side to just get to that bottom line. Well, when you take all the incomes of all, well, well then you're not getting a fair comparison. But people will still push that idea in a dishonest way in order to say that someone has been wronged and there needs to be justice, there needs to be revenge, there needs to be retribution. They only provide the juicy bits that support this perspective that they are trying to push while covering up all of the other opposing context. And we don't want to get to this point where we say, okay, well, that's what they're going to do, so I'm going to do the same thing from my side, and I'm only going to present the things that support my case because then it's fair. No, that's not fair. That's dishonest. And you are no different from them if that's your approach. 
It's not about scoring points. It's not about just sharing your side of the story. It's about being honest and providing the full context. And in order to do that, it's going to take more than a sentence or two. It's going to take more than a two-minute video. It's going to take time. And you have to be willing to take the time that is required to be fully honest. But when you're picking and choosing just the parts that you want to digest and turning a blind eye to everything else, then you're gossiping. You're spreading rumors. You are telling lies by omitting truth. And yes, the whole context, it takes extra time, it takes extra effort, but if you're that concerned about things being fair, then you need to take that time to be completely honest about what has taken place and what is taking place. Not just the bad things other people have done, but the mistakes that you have made too, and the good things that other people have done. Not just the good things that you've done. Provide the full context, the whole picture, because that's what honesty looks like. And if you're not willing to take the time to share the whole story, then you're better off not sharing any of it and misleading people because of only sharing the part that you like the most. And of course, that's not the goal. We don't want to be someone who never says anything about anything, right? We talked about that last week, so that's not the goal. I'm simply saying that it's better to say nothing than to only give half-truths that lead people astray. It's best to share everything. It's not bad to share nothing, but it is destructive to share half-truths. So then at the end of this proverb, it talks about how gossip, like choice morsels, goes down to the inmost parts. And this reflects what I was talking about when I talked about us having forked tons and how when we speak, we aren't just speaking outward, we're also speaking inward. Or when we speak inward, that that's also going to be speaking outward, right? It's this two-way street of the things that we say where it affects both the people around us and ourselves every time. And I use the illustration of a t-shirt, how, yeah, it's being presented to the world around you, but it's also defining you. And we see that also being reflected in this proverb about how gossip goes down to our inmost being. Because our gossip, when we're gossiping to others, that gossip is also defining who we are to other people. That we are someone who gossips. We are someone who stirs up strife and quarreling. We like to stir up trouble. That's who we are. And certainly that's easily recognizable. I'm sure you can think of people who you know that if there's gossip, they're either telling it or listening to it because that's who they are. When you gossip, when you share things, these half-truths with other people, right, things that put other people in a bad light, right, refer back to when I was talking about blessing and cursing and are you building people up or are you tearing people down 
when you're going around sharing these distorted perspectives on events that have happened in order to tear people down, you are defining yourself as being a person who does that. And one of the reasons why I'm warning against allowing yourself to become like this is that when you've allowed gossip to define who you are, it will lead you to very harmful places. Places where you are not safe, where you are set in a position to be wounded far greater. Because here's the thing, when we show ourselves to be someone who stirs up trouble, we attract others to us who also like to stir up trouble. When you are using your words to tear other people down, the people who are going to gather around to listen to you tear other people down are people who like to see people torn down. So what happens then when you make a mistake? You make a mistake and you've gathered around you people who hold on to mistakes and use the mistakes that people have made to ruin their lives. They're the ones who are going to see the mistake and they're the ones who are going to hold it over your head and to bring it against you and to tear you down because of it. Those are the people who you have surrounded yourself with by being someone who does that to others. That is not a safe place. That is a very dangerous place to be. But again, by participating in that, you've defined yourself to be that kind of people and have attracted to yourself other people who are like that. Now, I was trying to think of an illustration for this, and this image popped into my head, and I do think it's kind of a weird illustration. It's kind of silly, but hopefully this makes sense to you. But the image I thought of was one of those duct tape balls, right, where people take duct tape and they make these big balls out of that duct tape. But rather than the sticky part of the duct tape being on the inside, I thought of a duct tape ball with the sticky part on the outside. And as it rolls around, it picks up all the dirt that it comes across. And it holds on to that dirt. It holds on to any grime, every manner of gunk. And the more it rolls around, the more it collects that. So what happens when it comes across another duct tape ball that is just like that? And the second one has been rolling around and picking up dirt and grime and gunk. And these two entities come into contact with each other. Now they stick together. And they begin doing this together. And so we see these collectors of dirt rolling around together, picking up more and more entities that are like it. And boy, don't we see that with people who gossip. That they all just kind of huddle together in their little group, sharing with each other the dirt that they've picked up. But then what happens if that wad of duct tape dirt gunk mess comes into contact with another entity that is not sticky? Another entity that doesn't hold on to anything. That everything that comes in contact with it doesn't stick. It doesn't stay. 
It's not going to hold on to any of that dirt, any of that gunk, and it's not going to stick onto this entity that brings with it a great big mess. And that duct tape ball, when it comes in contact with an entity like that, that it won't stick to, it doesn't stick back, then it's going to leave just as quickly. You see, that second entity that doesn't allow any of that dirt to stick with it is an entity that represents, rather than someone who is defined as a gossip, as someone who is defined as a forgiver. As someone who is able to let things go that come in contact with it. It doesn't hold on to it. Now that gossiping ball of duct tape, its whole life is going to be one giant mess. But that second entity, that forgiving entity, that doesn't hold on to dirt, it doesn't hold on to the gunk and the grime and the wounds, is going to have a far smoother journey because of it. So the question then is, which of these entities is a better descriptor of us and our lives? Are we rolling around holding on to every piece of dirt that we come across so that we can share it with other collectors of dirt? Or do we turn from gossip and become defined as a forgiver? As someone who does not allow themselves to be defined by the dirt that they come across and by the bumps and the bruises that they endure, they aren't covered in wounds because they've allowed them to heal by letting go of those things. So that brings us back full circle to what I first talked about and the point where I want to leave us today. Are there any wounds that you need to let God close? Is there any dirt or gunk that you've been holding on to that you continue to share with other people in an effort to be comforted by them and in an effort to turn them against that person who has hurt you and in doing so you've allowed yourself to be surrounded by people who do not have your best interest at heart and you are now in a dangerous place where you are being wounded again and again and again and never allowing any of those wounds to heal, and so you're left in this clump of pain. God doesn't want that for you. He loves you so much that that's not the kind of life that he wants you to have. And he wants to heal you of the pain. He wants to close those wounds, and he wants to teach you how to let go of the burdens that you have been dragging along with you for years and years and years. All you have to do is let him. Let him teach you how to forgive. Let him close your wounds. Let him bring the healing that you so desperately need so you don't need to suffer through that pain again and again and again, through gossip, trying to receive comfort for that pain, while all the while just making it worse and letting it become more infected. Let God close the wound, let God heal you, and he will move you past that pain.
let him take away the fuel to the fire so that you won't be burned by it anymore. And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can reach out to me either through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, or you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And wherever you're listening to this, I encourage you to like it and share it to help get the message out there. But until next time, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And it's my prayer that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you.